Uh, Luke chapter 1, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 1. We're uh, in a, in a place, again, I want to just keep saying this, where we're talking about entering into a very intimate relationship with the Lord, being in His presence. The tabernacle was to draw us close to Him, and all were invited to come. Very few said yes. It's interesting, while all are invited to come, this particular part of the tabernacle experience was reserved for very few. Uh, only the priests could come and light the incense. Only the priests could come and offer a prayer to God on behalf of the people. He would lead their prayers and take their prayers with like incense before the Lord. When you think about what it was like, again, this is a, a multi-sensory experience from the blazing, brazen altar that, that fire erupts from and, and the, the smell of the animal cooking would be upon it to the laver where you would wash and then you would step in and the smell of fresh baked bread. And, and, and by the way, for the priest, they were allowed to eat of it. So there was a deliciousness to it and, and, According to what has been written is the bread took on an amazing flavor as it was there and never lost its freshness. There was wine there. And, and then you would smell the incense that would be pouring forth. And there's kind of this neat haze from the candle being lit and the incense glowing and, and the smoke going up. The Atenas family were the perfumers that, that took what Scripture taught on how to make this incense and came up with an amazing formula of 11 ingredients. Uh, it has been said that when the incense was put upon the altar, that it went up in a very defined smoke. Uh, it didn't dissipate hardly at all. It was like this, this chimney of smoke just rising up, and when it would hit the roof, it would actually start billowing over the veil that was here into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. I mean, God wanted us to kind of see the power he wanted us to have something that would help us visualize the, 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 pr the prayer rising and going into the very realm of heaven and, and going into his presence and being uh, uh, literally embraced by him at what you'll hear next week as the mercy seat. God wanted that to happen. The Atenas family, though, protected this particular incense formula on, on, and literally some of them lost their lives. People actually tortured them to try to find out what the formula was and they refused to give it up. In Exodus chapter 30, it says this. It says that this incense is only for God. You're not to make it for yourself. Now, you could have your own incense, but this particular formula was only for the Lord. And so when we got ready to make this uh, altar, uh, some of the guys said, hey, do, should we have the, the, the incense smell and the rising of the smoke? And I forgot to tell them about Exodus 30, so we're, two of our guys are dead. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, we didn't let him die. But, but no, we couldn't do that. And God wanted this to be very precious. That's what I want you to see. Exodus chapter 40, verse 5 says, Moreover, you shall set the gold altar of incense before the ark of the testimony, the ark of the covenant, and set up the veil uh, for the doorway to the tabernacle. In other words, make sure there was a veil here. Now, when Jesus died, the veil is split. I mean, miraculously torn from top to bottom. And there's no separation from our prayers to his presence. And, and God wanted us to understand that through Christ now, he is able to take our prayers and put them into his very presence. But only, uh, you know, very few people were had access to this particular place. Very, very few. Um, as a matter of fact, at the time that Jesus would be born, 
there were 20,000 priests divided up into 24 sections. And what would happen is a priest would be chosen for the morning and a priest would be chosen for the evening to light the incense. But it was very, very probable, not possible, very probable that you would literally serve out all your years as priest and never be chosen. Uh, the lot would be passed, and then they would choose which section a priest would be looked to. And then it would be go down to which family a priest would be looked to. And then they'd pass the lot again to, you know, a particular person. And, and to have it come down to you, where you were actually able to go here, the odds were statistically against it ever occurring. And it was believed that God guided the lot, that God was the one who made sure who was chosen. And so as it was brought down, they would say, you... God chose you. And it's an amazing honor. And, and literally hundreds and hundreds of people would stand in the outer court, maybe even thousands, as one man would walk out of that crowd of people into the holy place, up to this wonderful altar of incense, and light it, and the, the smell would emanate forth. And they would then begin to offer prayer to God. Now, this becomes even more amazing when you start to understand what happened to Zacharias. Zechariah was a priest who was older. He was getting towards the end of his time of service. Retirement was very close to him. And he had always desired to be able to do this. Every priest wanted to do this. This was the thing to get to do. And, and so time and time again, the lot was passed and he wasn't chosen. And now he came towards the end of his service and end of his life. And he's sitting there and his section was chosen. And his family was chosen. And the lot fell upon him. And everyone's looking, thinking, yeah, it's your time. He was a godly man, and he and his wife, Elizabeth, were loved and cherished. But they always felt like there was something missing in their life. They were never able to have a child. And so on that day, he got this amazing honor, but he had something else happen. He ended up entering in here, and when he lit the, the, the incense upon the altar, and it began to go forth, an angel appeared. And the angel looked at him and said, your prayers have been answered. And, and he is just shocked and scared. Uh, uh, let's read about it. Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. By the way, wouldn't it you? Tonight you're laying in bed. It's dark. You just start to pray and say, Lord, I was just wondering, pow, an angel appears. And you're like, I think that you'd probably be a little afraid. And then he looks at you and says, your prayers are answered. And you're like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, your prayers are answered. What you wanted, your greatest heart desire. Now, think about this. It's almost for sure that he was walking in thinking, Lord, finally I have a chance to be here. And, and then God says, but you know what? You, you desire a child. I'm going to give you a child. And he thinks there is no way. Now, God majors in doing the miraculous. And by the way, I think, it, I really believe, this is my opinion, that God has an amazingly great sense of humor. I mean, think Sarah wants a baby. He lets her wait till she's 90 to get pregnant. You know, Elizabeth wants a child. She's in her 70s. Now you can have one. I'm just waiting to see what he does to Pam. And uh, 
I wouldn't mind. Uh, but you know what is, is, there was one prayer for sure he would have uttered beyond that. I don't even know. I don't even know that he would have asked for himself in that moment. Maybe he would have. Maybe he was thinking it. But no matter what we know, it was his heart's desire and prayers that he had prayed. And he, while he might have thought all those prayers were never answered, the day he was here it was. And, and the other prayer he would have prayed, all priests would have prayed, was, Lord, may the Messiah come in our lifetime. So what happened went way beyond anything he could have hoped for in that moment. Nobody ever hoped an angel would appear, but an angel appeared. I, I mean, when you prayed prayers, how many times, think about this, how many times have we prayed prayers and we go, but did anything happen? Well, he didn't realize all those prayers he prayed were being saved up like in a golden bowl of incense in heaven. We're going to read about that in a second. And now it would be answered. But it was answered way better than he thought. He wanted a child. God says, you're going to have a son. He probably wanted a son. He says, but your son's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. You're going to see the Messiah, Zechariah. He will come in your lifetime. By the way, he'll actually visit your home in the womb of Mary. And, and your child inside your wife will leap for joy at his presence. Because when Jesus enters, joy enters. And, and, and so now not only are you going to have a child, but I want to tell you something. He is going to be one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. And you think you're just going to literally end their life childless, always wishing you had something. I am going to give you more than you could have ever wanted in a way that's greater than you could have wanted. And I'm going to answer your prayer prayers for not only a child, but the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. See, God does that. That's what this altar of incense shows us. Not everybody can come here. Uh, we need to take it with a lot of responsibility and, and, and understand the, the meaning of it. But we need to come there and we need to offer our prayer like incense to God. Psalm 141 verse 2, David said, Oh Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting of my hands as the evening offering. The lifting of my hands. Do you catch that David's coming with everything he has? And he said it's like incense billowing up. It's not just a, a calm prayer in that moment. In this case, it's, it's, it's released to God. And it's like my hands are out there and I'm out there and I'm just saying, God, let my prayers be heard in this way. Zechariah's were. And while he might not have thought that they were treasured, they were. We see in Revelation 5, 8, it says, when Jesus had taken the book, the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. If you are a, a true born-again Christian, if you really are God's child, then I want you to know you've never prayed a prayer that wasn't treasured there. And God loves you, and he cares about you. He may not have said yes in the moment. He may not have answered it in the way that you thought he would or should. But he's never forgotten it. And God treasures that, and it's held literally in his presence. Revelation 8, 3 to 5 says the same thing. It says, another angel came and stood at the altar, having golden censer. And much incense was given to him, so that he might add to it the prayers of the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. So this golden altar in the tabernacle is symbolic of what's going on in heaven as our prayers are just lifted up to God. And God says, I hear every single one. Now, it is interesting, and I, I just think we got to grab a hold of this, that David, knowing the power of prayer, said, let's be careful how we pray. 
Now, I, I am not trying to say don't be yourself. That would be the wrong. Well, you need to be yourself. And I'm not saying talk in religious words. Matter of fact, it's the opposite of that. Be a person of integrity. When you pray, pray what you mean. But we need to be a little bit careful. That's why in Psalm 141, David in verse 3 says, Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting of my hands as the evening offering. The next line, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let me be careful how I pray. I just don't want to come in blurting things out or saying foolish things to you. I need to talk in a way that has meaning. Again, you can have joy. You can even joke with God. But I want to tell you, let's also understand the incredible preciousness of our being allowed to be in his presence. See, not everybody could come here. Solomon understood that. In Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 3, he says, guard your steps as you go to the house of God. Draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. He said, I want you to start by listening. By the way, that's a great way to start. So say, God, before I say a word, let me just listen to you. Do you have anything to say to me? By the way, uh, we're going to talk in a few weeks about how to tune into the whisper of God. My, my desire for you, for you, I mean this seriously, is that every one of us, and you in particular, that you would be so in tune to the whisper of God when he talks, you'll hear. You won't miss it. And he says, let's draw near to listen. And then it goes in verse 2. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool through many words. It's kind of interesting. And God says, I want you to come to me and I want you to be yourself and I want us to be intimate, but I want you to be a little bit careful. I want you to be respectful. I want you to think about what you're saying. I, I don't want you just to throw out meaningless phrases. Um, and, and he says, I want your words to be real. I want your, your prayer to be thought through. Zechariah, by the way, would stand there, and the angel said, you're going to have a son, and he couldn't believe it. And the angel said, you know what? Why would you come here and not believe? You know what? Since you don't believe me, you're not going to be able to say a word until your child is dedicated. So for the next nine months plus, he, he walked out. He wasn't able to speak. Matter of fact, what happened, many of you know, is that as he walked out, people wondered, why is he taking so long? And when he finally came out, they realized, being struck silent, that an angel had appeared, that something amazing had happened. Which, by the way, whether you know it or not, it does for you too. And we need to understand the amazement, understand the power, understand the preciousness of this moment. Not everybody could come here. Uh, King Uzziah, uh, uh, was a godly man. King Uzziah lived a life that was literally incredible. Up towards the end of it, he blew it. He became filled with pride. And in 2 Chronicles 26, you can read it later, verses 16 to 21, what we see is Uzziah decided, I don't need a priest to offer my prayers. I'm just going to come offer them. And he came here, and he started to put the incense on it. And the high priest realized what he was doing and got 80 other priests to rush in and try to stop him. He was already there, though. And when they came in, he ordered them to stop. And they ordered him to stop at the risk of their lives. The Bible says the priests were valiant men to bring that order, to stand in the gap, to try to stop him. And then when he didn't stop and he placed the incense there, he was struck with leprosy. All of the other good he had done now seemed to be forgotten. 
Pride had reached up inside him. He did not take care and understand the preciousness of this. He did not understand. Not everyone, not everyone can come and offer prayer to God. That, that you have to only come in the right way, in God's way. Uh, Nadab and Abihu forgot this. It was right after God had talked about how to use this, how to come and offer prayer, that not only did uh, they blow it, they, they, it was only one person to come at a time, and they came together. Uh, and, and they had drank way too much wine, and they didn't mix it correctly. And when they came before God, God struck them down. And Aaron, their father, was just so hurt, so wounded by this. But Moses said, no, you know what they did was so wrong, you're not even allowed to mourn for them. In other words, here's the point. There, there's something serious and precious about being here. And Nadab and Abihu didn't realize it, and God said, I can't, I can't have that. Not everybody can come here. Uh, uh, to come to this place, you had to be chosen by lot. Now, are you ready for this? In Christ, you can come. In Christ, you're chosen. But in, if it's not in Christ, you cannot come. Now, I want you to think about it. Whenever we pray, what do we do? We pray in Jesus' name. The only way our prayers get to God is through Jesus. You and I do not have the right to go to God apart from him. By the way, so if someone prays in the name of another God or another religion, their prayers are not heard. Or if they do not have a real relationship with Jesus, their prayers aren't heard. Only those who are chosen in Christ can come and offer prayer to God. That, by the way, is, is why very often our pastors will be asked to go someplace and they'll say, would you come to this public gathering and pray? And we'd be, oh, we'd love to come. But would you not mention Jesus? Do you know how often we get asked that? It's like, are you kidding me? You're going to ask a pastor who's in love with Jesus Christ to keep him silent? And that's the only way the prayer, so what am I going to do? Come and pray what? The only way the prayer ever gets to, to, to God is through Jesus he is the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through him. By the way, if you're here today and you're not in a relationship with the Lord, and you go, well, I prayed and prayed and he didn't answer. Well, he never heard. You go, whoa, wait a minute, God didn't hear? Well, it's not that he can't hear, but Isaiah 59 says, Behold, the arm of the Lord is not so short that it cannot save, nor is ear deaf that he cannot hear, but your sins have made a separation between you and God. If we don't start at the cross and go through the blood of Christ and are forgiven of our sins, our prayers don't go up. But by the way, here's what I want you to not miss. If you are God's, you're a chosen one to come and offer prayer to him. And now there's th hundreds of thousands of people in this area that cannot offer prayer to God, but you can. You might say, well, they can pray. Yeah, but they're just talking in the air. Your prayers are heard. Your prayers matter. And you ought to take that seriously, and I ought to take that seriously. Now, again, it's not that we shouldn't have a, an intimate, fun time with our Heavenly Father, but what I'm telling you is, do you realize you you who are followers of God, you who are children of God today, and the only one who are children of God are those who are adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ, you get this access. You have the right to enter. That's an amazing thing. Jesus tells us because of that, we ought to pray at all times. In other words, we ought to always be in that kind of intimacy with him. We ought to think, if we have that, we should never take it for granted. And we should always be praying. And so there's a balance here to, to make sure you're praying real prayers and mean it. On the other hand, make sure you're praying a lot and talking a lot to God because you have that opportunity. I'm not going to get into it now, but Luke 18 is a cool chapter of scripture. And in Luke 18, it starts with a, a parable, a story, where Jesus teaches us about prayer. He says, here you ought to pray always. Be like a woman that goes before a judge and, and literally says, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he said, keep asking till God gives it to you. 
By the way, don't miss this. The word pray literally means to ask. It's not wrong to ask. It's right to ask. God says, come and ask. Come and request. Zechariah, come and tell me you want a child even though you're old. Uh, come and tell me you want a job in the economy doesn't have it. Come and tell me you need healing. Come and tell me you, you want relief. Come and tell me that you have a dream you want fulfilled. God wants to know that. And he says, now, now that you're a chosen one, don't miss your opportunity to come and ask. God says, I want you to do that. And at the very end of, of Luke 18 is an example of it. Bartimaeus is a blind man sitting beside the road, and Jesus comes by. By the way, that's the last time he would come by there before he would die. And Bartimaeus cries out, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And they said, be quiet and don't bother Jesus. And Jesus says, no. Man, I love that passion. And he grants his request and heals him of his blindness. And Bartimaeus would see the Lord and would go and give testimony and live an amazing life. You know what? Cry out to God. If you are one of those who have the right to come here, cry out to him. Ask him and, and do it with passion. It's interesting that the Luke 18 in the beginning says the woman goes to the judge and it uses an interesting word. She goes so much she blackens his eye. It's like she gave him a black eye. Now, we don't do that to God. But the idea behind it is she came that passionate. And the idea behind Bartimaeus is he screamed and would not be quiet until God said yes. And God says, believe it or not, that's how I want you to come to me. When we say, well, be careful, yeah, be careful that you come with passion. Be careful you come with meaning. And be careful that you come. He wants you to come. He wants you to be a part. He wants you to have access to him. Uh, I have a, a friend who's um, the leader. Uh, uh, he's the, the senior pastor of a large, large, I mean, a huge, one of the largest churches in the United States. And uh, so what happened is he had said, hey, I heard you're coming to town. Would you, you know, come by and see me? Well, I, I got there and it hit me. You just can't walk in and see this guy. Now, I mean, you know, it's, it, it really, you just can't do that. It's just, you know, he's, the church is that big and they've, you know, his time is that precious. So what happened is I, not even thinking about it, I walk into the receptionist and I said, name my friend's name. I go, is he here? And she looked at me like, are you kidding me? Who are you? And uh, I said, um, oh, uh, that's okay. You know, she's, she'll go, can I have another pastor help you? I said, no, that'll be all right. So I walked over and pulled out my cell phone and dialed his number. And he goes, oh, you're here. And he comes running out. And the receptionist's jaw just drops like, huh? you do know him. You're not some homeless guy. You know, and uh, <laughs> honestly, she hardly ever saw him because he came through a back end. So she's just like finally getting to see this guy. Well, he comes out, and we're hugging. And she's like, oh, now realizing I'm, you know. And so we go walking in. And because I'm with him, I get access everywhere, you know. But I mean, he, he's the guy. And so we're walking along and talking and laughing. Well, then he had a couple things to do and we were going to grab lunch. But I knew another guy on staff. And so I said, well, I'll go see our other friend. And so I walked down the hallway and I'm talking to him. And, and I said, hey, I, you, you know, I know I've just kind of caught you a spur of the moment. You want to grab lunch with me? And I named the senior pastor. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, he's going to go with you? And I said, yeah. And I go, yeah, let me call him and I'll let him know you're going to. He looked at me, he goes, you have his cell phone number? said, yeah. <laughs> Want to buy it? And, uh, you know. <laughs> now, I, the only reason I'm going into this is you realize, no, seriously, you've got God's cell phone number? Not everybody does. You know, I, we act like everybody does, but they don't. I mean, seriously, the Bible teaches only those who are in an intimate relationship with God through Jesus have this kind of access. Nobody else does. And because you do, 
It means you're valuable to God. And because you do, he wants you to take that as something precious and amazing and incredible. And he wants you to ask. Uh, James chapter 4 is a passage that I love. And it says this in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures which weigh war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so what do you do? You fight and you quarrel. But you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so you may spend it on your pleasures. Now remember, there's a balance here of coming to God correctly. I don't come uh, as, uh, with disrespect. I don't come in, in selfishness and I don't come in vindictiveness. I don't come carrying a grudge. God says, if I'm not willing to forgive others, why would I come to him? I come saying, Lord, I want to be yours completely and aligned with you. Now, when I do, then I can ask and receive. You know, I, I don't do it with the wrong heart, the wrong motive. I got to come with the right heart, and so do you. But we are to come. And notice what he said. He said, you know, the num one of the reasons you don't get it is because you come the wrong way. Another reason you don't get it is because you don't come at all. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not. See, here's the question I want to even throw to all of us. Me too. What are we asking for? What are you dreaming of? What are you talking to your father about? What are you asking for? And, and get ready. You know, Zechariah came in and God said, I'm going to give you a child, but I'm going to give you more than a child. I'm giving you the forerunner. I'm giving you the, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived to be your child. And then you get to see the Messiah. You know, God just takes it to a whole new level. I don't know if this is totally true, but I heard, actually I read a story that when Arnold Palmer was at the height of his career in golf, that uh, he was invited to Saudi Arabia to golf with the king of Saudi Arabia. And so he went, and this is one of the richest men in the world, and they're golfing together, and the king was in awe of this celebrity before him who was so amazing on the golf course. And when they were done golfing, the king said, I just want to thank you for golfing with me today. And, and Arnold Palmer said, you know, it was my honor. And the king said to him, well, I would like to give you a present. Is it okay if I give you a golf club? And Arnold Palmer didn't, he wanted to show respect, but he thought, um, I've got a lot of golf clubs. <laughs> I'm sponsored. I don't really need a golf club. You know, he's, he's thinking, okay, but, but what do you say to the king of Saudi Arabia? He goes, well, I, that would be an honor. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, he gets ready to leave and he gets nothing. And he thought, I hope I didn't show on my face that I, you know, I didn't really need another golf club because I didn't want to show disrespect. So he's feeling kind of bad. Well, he gets home and a week or two later, he gets a phone call and it's one of the king's right-hand men. And he says, I just want you to know that the king was so thrilled to give you the golf club, the deed will be coming soon. He goes, the deed? He did. He bought him a golf club in South Carolina. 36 holes, clubhouse, everything. You know, and... Uh, Do you ever think you come here and you say, God, would you give me? And the Lord goes, oh, I'll give it to you. I'm going to give it to you like in a way you can't believe. By the way, that's how God does work. He gives us greater than we could ask or hope or dream or think. He, he, he does that for you and with you. Your prayers should be answered. They're, every one of us should be able to go, you know, I asked for this and God did this and I asked for this and God did this and, and I prayed and, and, and God showed me and, 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 and he did these things for me. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, the Lord says, and I will answer you. You got my cell phone number, call me. 
And I'll answer you, and then I will either, and it's, it's actually both words, I will show or tell you great and mighty things you do not know. When you enter into the, the tabernacle, if you were to go in the Holy of Holies, you would smell the bread and know how, and, and, and if you were a priest, you could eat of it, and it would be incredibly great. There's a, a deliciousness to the life of God. You would smell the smell of the bread and the smell of the incense, which, by the way, would just be incredible. It, it's a multi-sensory thing, and it, it, you'd go, ah, oh, the very presence of the Lord. And, and by the way, I don't know if this would resonate with you, but I, I love this time of year. And uh, the other night, I, I, you know, what happened is I opened the door and Pam had a candle burning, which just gave off this neat smell. And we had food cooking and it was like, oh man. And I, how do you, I, I don't know how you feel in that moment. Here's how I feel. I feel at home. I just thought I love my home. And it's not about the house, it's the, there's something going on. And God said, when you come in here, I want you to feel at home. I want you to feel that intimate. There's one thing, though, that for me makes it even more incredible. That night I opened the door and smelled the smell of the candle. It was a kind of a pumpkin smell and the smell of the food cooking. I heard this little voice yell, Papa, Papa. And I thought, I'm home. Oh, I'm home. And you know what I, God wants you to do? He wants you to yell, Abba, Father, Papa, Papa. And he goes, oh, we're home. See, he wants you to be close to him. He wants you to be near him. And he wants this kind of an opportunity for you to experience it in a precious way. Your prayers billow up. And, and they stay tight and powerful by the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, and they flow right into heaven. But he draws you close. In other words, he doesn't want to stay way back here. He's like, oh, you're here. And, and he, the veil rips and he grabs you. He said, ah, oh, talk to me. That's what this is about. Talk to me. And, and I hope you are. I hope you're experiencing him. If you're here today and you're not, it's not because God doesn't want to have a relationship with you. He does. It's not because he doesn't love you. Oh, he does. It's not because he doesn't notice you. I, I, the Bible says he thinks about you all the time. He thinks about you more than there's sand on the seashore is the picture he wants you to have. So because he always is thinking of you and he totally loves you, if you're not close to him, here's the thing, is it's time to tell him you want to be close. The Bible does say, draw near to me and I will draw near to you, the Lord says. Call to me and I will answer you. And then in Romans, it says, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So what, what is that prayer that you need to pray that begins all the other prayers being heard and answered? It's the prayer where you say, I want to give my life to you in the name of Jesus. I want to open my heart to you because of Jesus I want to come to you through Jesus. And, and you start that life by telling him that. And I know you might say, if you're brand new to all this, but that seems kind of foreign to me. But you know what? It's right. And I think if you would quiet yourself in a moment and just think about it, God wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to open up to him. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to pray the prayer that begins it all. It's like dialing the number and hitting hitting the call button, and, and God's going to answer before it even rings. And when you say to him, I want to give my life to you, he's going to say that I, I want to give you life like you can't imagine. So you say to him, I want to ask for your forgiveness. He said, I'll give you cleansing. I want to be freed from hurt and pain, and he'll give you healing. And say, oh, Lord, life's tough right now, and he'll take away the burden.
I'm not, he does that. He really does. And if you've never done it, I'm going to ask you right now just to open up to him. And in a moment, by the way, we're going to pray a prayer. And, and I'd love to have you pray a prayer with me. Say the words with me that you want to give yourself to him. You know, it's interesting how in the tabernacle, it started with the brazing altar. And then for us, it's the cross, which goes better. The laver, which you washed hands and feet. Baptism's a total immersion. Uh, this was something done only by one person. And God says, or Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Do you see how it just keeps getting better and better? And, and that's what it should be for you and me. So I'm going to ask you today, if you've never prayed that prayer to, before, to pray it with me, to tell God you want to do this. Uh, if you are a Christian and you're far from God, I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer with us to come back. Come home. Come home to him. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit God, your Holy Spirit would come up in this place that you would stir on every one of us and, and literally within our hearts. And may we, Lord, be close to you and know you. And I know it's Jesus, it's through you we come. And so now in your name, we ask for this. We ask for this moment in time to be a time where our prayers are lifted up. And you hear. And we trust you to answer. And I ask right now, Father, that you would begin to touch anybody who needs to come to you. That you'd stir on their hearts. Lord, I pray for a person who's sitting here and, and they felt like they've never prayed a prayer that's ever been answered. Deep down inside, they doubt. But God, today I pray that's about to go away. I pray, oh Lord, that you would touch them. That right now, they know this is their moment. They know this is their time. And they're going to pray this prayer and begin this life with you. I pray for the person who's sitting here today and they just told, they just opened up and shared something that was very hurtful in their family. And today, it's weighing upon them. But I pray, oh God, that today they would come to you, they would commit to you and they would find you lifting this burden. And now I believe you're going to redeem them and their family. Father, I pray for anyone today who needs to come to you. Who needs to be yours. Who needs to come back. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now I'm going to lead a prayer. And I would love for you to pray it with me. If you want to say yes to God today or you want to be healed from hurt or you want to come back to him, I'm going to ask you just to whisper these words. Let's just talk to them together. So right now, God loves you. He wants you. If you want this life, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me all my sin. To heal me from all hurt and pain. To free me from fear. And to make me alive and to make me new and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. And make me yours completely. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, praise God.